It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, October 14th, and you're listening to episode 385. Joining me today is Neil Roberts. Hey, pal, how's it going? That's an honor just to be nominated. So you say that every time we're on an episode. Do you realize that? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm just making sure. (laughs) I had another one that I stole from someone else, and this one is mine. I see. So that would you own that, like trademarked Neil Roberts. Yeah, that it just it just kinda happened where I, I said my initial one and they were like, What? And I was and then I just made up another one on the spot. It's a good one. It's a good one. I like it. So how have things been going for you, sir? Good. We have a baby due any day now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact when we talked about recording this, uh, we said we'll record this as long as your wife's not having a baby. Yep. And that might happen during the episode. So we'll it see might, how that goes. That would be really exciting. Uh, yeah. Just FYI, we're not going to live stream that, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, we will just cut it off there and uh, and we'll just call that an episode and I'll just awkwardly finish it talking to myself. Uh, yeah. Pretending to assume what Neil would say. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the, for the people that haven't had kids, if my wife messaged me and said that she's starting to have like that she's starting to go into labor. I'd I'd be able to finish this episode and then head home. It's not it's not like it's not like you suddenly have a baby. Generally, no. That is, uh, I, we no. did have some friends though where uh, uh, the the woman woke up was having contractions. Uh, she called the, her husband. I guess called the uh, ambulance because she's like, "This is this baby is coming soon, like <laughs> like right now." Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then he delivered the baby on the bathroom floor, and the right. uh, ambulance showed up. So it does happen. That was her third kid. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, this is only your second. So you're not due for that yet. But yeah, in, ge- in general, that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. No. That's that is very very the Hollywood style of the way things happen. <laughs> very well, we uncommon. Her, her water broke the first time before she went into labor. So. Ah, we did. Yeah. We did have like a movie, a movie, uh, my water broke moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Which is yes. <sighs> All right. That's how, it. That's how we do. Mm-hmm. You uh, played any good games lately? Um, I, I've actually made it to a couple of Wednesday game nights. Uh, oh, excellent. I was able to play Quacks of Quedlinburg uh, and patchwork uh, and i played the game that the decemberists did it's like illumin like it's illimat i think is what it's called okay i didn't um, know the decemberists made a game interesting it's it's more of like a piece of performance art i guess um we we stopped playing it after a couple rounds <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's a not, good that review. not that it's not that it's bad but it 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 definitely is like we want to have a fun table experience i see which i, I mean, see yeah. there's nothing there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that yeah, yeah. If that's what you're looking for there's nothing wrong with that um so quacks then, uh i was just gonna ask so quacks, how, what was how did that compare to tavern that's one of our favorites because they're both wolfgang warsh i mean i think tavern like taverns of tier or whatever um really fixes a lot of the stuff that isn't great about quacks um so like i when i was when i was playing my strategy was basically like I'm going to have the most epic final round uh, out of everyone. 
right? Okay. So almost yeah. all my stuff was uh, kind of uh, preparing for that uh, and like making sure that like even if I was making some short term sacrifices, uh, I was trying to make it so that I would you know eventually get to a point where like I was just I had this like incredible engine built. Right, uh, and so right. we got to the, we got to the final round, and I got to the very end of the score track, um, wow. with like two uh, with like two out of seven of um, th- the bad things drawn. Right, and I get to the end of the score track, and I'm like, okay, like what happens now? And they're like, that's as far as you can go. And they and then the other person that was winning with like a, a strategy of kind of accumulating points every round reached the end as well. So I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> it was kind of a letdown to where like I built this kind of ridiculous engine and then it had a governor on it, right? Right. So you could, it wasn't like a stone age where you like lap yourself? Yeah. You, it was just the end? Yeah, that's, you just reached the end. And then like other players that hadn't built a strategy to like really accelerate also reached the end. So it was, it was just weird because, I don't know, like I almost needed a strategy thing to just be like, well, you have to concentrate on like accumulating points and then naturally you'll end up at the end of the track, right? And Because I thought it was going to be a lot of work to reach the end of the track. I didn't know that it was going to be so oh, easy to reach okay, the end of the track. Okay. So did he technically win or did you tie? Well, she, Jason. She. Oh, I thought you said he. That's why I said he because <laughs> okay. I thought you said Maybe he. I did. Maybe I did say he. Um, no, she won by a lot. Uh, yeah, okay. I did not, okay. I did not, I did fine, but I did not do very well. Right. 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 Cause I was, I was just giving up a lot of, uh, of stuff. Like I was trying to eke out points where I could, but I really was focused on, uh, minimizing how many of those bad tokens that I drew. And apparently it's fixed in an expansion, but like that's, you never want to hear that. Like it's fixed in an expansion. Yeah. No, no, you do not want to hear that for a game. Like, Hey, this base game is fun, but it's got a bunch of problems. We fixed it with an expansion you can pay for. I don't even want to hear like we like made a free expansion to fix it and we gave it to you. Like yeah. I want the game to work, you know. That it's just interesting because that game is like all the stuff I've heard has been positive uh, yeah. previously to that. But I mean that that sounds like something I would complain about at the end of a game. So, <laughs> well, I mean, if you play it again, right? Like I now have an idea for how the game works. But that um, should have been clear up front to where you weren't feeling. You know, like you, uh, like even that strategy should have been apparent that, oh, if I get to the end, that's not going to, that's not going to make me win. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And like, you know, the way, cause it's so luck based, you know, the last, there was one round where I went pretty far and then the next two rounds I didn't go super far. So like I kept going with my strategy and I'm like, well, I'm going to really hammer this in because apparently it's really hard to get to the end. But then the final round, I had built up enough of an engine that it wasn't hard to get to the end. But I, I, had, I didn't really have that impression because of the way that it had worked out in the previous round. Right. That makes sense. Interesting. Well, so, you know, it's why, it's why having kind of having a, some strategy notes for that kind of stuff is, is interesting. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like there are some games that, that having a little, little spiel for... Uh, some tips and tricks is, is helpful. Yeah, yeah. They needed you to write the tips and tricks like you did with Into the Black yeah. Forest. Yeah, I, like I, I mean, that's why I, 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 I wanted to push like, that in Into the Black Forest because I really I thought it was cool to understand the strategy going into your first game. I think. I mean, I frankly think that um, 
any like every game could benefit from that, right? Unless there's like yeah. some real reason why, hey, we shouldn't tell you this because you need to figure it out as you go. Like I could see in a co-op yeah. game where like we're not going to tell you that, but in a game like any competitive game, I think it's neat to have, you know, like when you go into this, basically saying, hey, here's some things you can do if you don't know what to do, do these things and. I know mm-hmm. that's something my wife will complain about when we when you start a new game, and she's kind of like, "I'm just not sure what I'm going for here. Like, I don't know. I know that I know what the end goal is. I know how to win, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know what to focus on to start out with. And you know, for me, who've who've played a a lot more games than her, and b likely that game I've played before, you know, yeah. I can give her tips. But I mean, or or anyone, you know, I just use her as a good example because, you know, she's she on the second time through, she'll very likely beat me but the first time through i'm gonna have a big advantage and for just to be able to say hey here's some here's some pro tips about this game right if you're not sure what to do do this this is always beneficial this is never bad or this is generally bad you know here's what you can do i think that that's um i think that's worthwhile so Mm -hmm. all right hey so we're gonna talk about i don't have any games i've played recently uh i'm excited because i'm going to uh ken franklin's house for kencon an nice. event he hosts for his birthday every year, um, where you uh, bring uh, you bring perishable, uh, non-perishable, sorry, food items to donate, <laughs> uh, and then you get put in game drawings and stuff, and uh, it's really cool. It's a it's a fun thing. You have cake, you play games. Uh, he hosts some amazing game nights. He's got a great space for it out at out at Franklin Farms where he lives, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I'm pretty stoked about that uh, this weekend uh, to get to play some games with them. Um, yeah, so so hopefully. In one of the next episodes, I'll be able to talk about all the games I've been playing. It'll be real exciting. Yep. Um, but let's. Uh, so today for our topic, Neil and I well, we were trying to think of what to talk about, and Neil smartly just said, "Why don't we just give everybody an update <laughs> on all of the crazy co-designs we're working on?" Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about everything we can. Um, with some of them, we can give updates on and just say that they're under consideration. Um, but yep. um, most of them, we can actually we can talk as freely as we choose to about them. So, which is mm-hmm. generally pretty freely. So, um, why don't we start with the stuff that we have under consideration? Because that should go a little quicker, maybe. Yeah. Um, so the first, uh, well, the first game we did together that is under and that is currently under consideration by two different publishers is Compulsed, our uh, OCD mm-hmm. simulator game. Um, yeah. So, what do you want to say about Compulsed? I, I kind of want to play test it again, like <laughs> thinking about how long it's been since I played it. I know. I, I worry that if one of these publishers don't pick it up, I'm like, I'm going to have to relearn this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, every every game that I played with it has been uh, a really neat experience. Um, I even so like one of the things that we had had talked about is that you can end up with a game where someone win, wins fairly easily. And like that's been one of my last play tests was I played it and I kind of was able to easily win. And then that was, it, it was neat because every time I play it, I feel like I have a different experience. And so that one, I felt like incredibly grateful that things had not been a big problem. Was that, <laughs> right? was that the one we played with Copac? Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that one yeah. was the one at Grand Con. Yep. And uh, yeah, that was that's the first time we've seen that happen where you could actually mm-hmm. win pretty quick. And and kind of one of the ways we've we've altered the game from say the initial conception is n- now um, when someone wins, their cards get laid out as part of kind of the trash pile, uh, which yeah. everyone can get into. Um, and then you uh, you just continue playing until everyone has completed their task. 
Um, yeah. It's it's that game as people play it. It's it, it's less about winning. It's more about solving your your own personal puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for those who don't know, it's I've talked about it before numerous times, but it's a cards with numbers game. Uh, you're attempting to put um, six cards in a row uh, from high to low without any gaps. Um, and by doing that, uh, it should be really easy. It should only take six rounds or less because uh, you get two actions per round. But you're given a bunch of kind of inane rules that you have to follow uh, mm-hmm. that are used to simulate different facets of OCD and uh, everything with the game is for around the obsessive compulsive disorder stuff is handled very tastefully, very subtly. Uh, we don't really explain like you could play the game without knowing what we found is yeah. when we explain it to people that that's what the game is about, um, that they actually enjoy it more. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah. So that's that is compulsed. Hopefully coming mm-hmm. soon from Neil Roberts and Jason Slingerland. Yep. Uh, the next game we have uh, also under consideration currently is Three Coronations, uh, which yep. I think we've pitched that on the show. You've pitched that on the show before, a long time ago. Um, my kind of, so Here's my thoughts on that game. I never thought I would work on a game that was that big and complex <laughs> and make it not be terrible. Um, yeah. And I, I give that credit to you because you're, you're good at that, but... Um, yeah, that's. I think the thing that surprises me most with Three of Coronations is that it's really good. And yeah. like, when we first started, I was like, "Oh, this game's gonna be great." And then we did some play tests, and I was like, "Oh, this game's gonna be bad." <clears throat> and somehow it's come back around, and it's really good. It's it's a complex game, uh, but it's not complicated. Yeah, and I think that's one where like when I, the thing that really turned it for me was. Uh, when I I read an article or or listened to something about wisdom of the crowds, or wisdom of the crowd, mm-hmm. yeah, where like the idea the idea that if you have a uh, a giant jar of jelly beans, and you ask people to guess how many jelly beans are in it, not one person really does a reliable guess. But if you average all the guesses together, you actually get an extremely accurate guess. Really? Which is, oh, that's yeah, cool. which is really funny. Um, and so that's where that's one of the things that that, that um, informed the way that I added voting to the game, uh, where you know we see that every time we play, where you know you need to get to a certain place in the game, and you're not you're not really allowed to table talk, right? What cards you're going to put down, or how you're going to vote, or stuff like that. But then you see these like very clear uh, patterns of. Uh, what cards are chosen and how people vote. And you're like, isn't it's kind of eerie that we as a group without talking were able to come up with this fix for the terrible situation that the kingdom is in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. As long as somebody doesn't screw everyone over, um, <laughs> which does happen routinely. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's that's actually a positive thing purpose. that happens. Yeah. yeah, and you like yeah. that means that person isn't making a bad decision. They're purposely flying in the face of what the logic and reason says they should do because they want to win. Um, and some and sometimes you you sense that, and then you don't do what they think that you're going to do, right? right? So like the the bad thing that's going to happen in the game is if you need to boost a resource, if everyone plays that resource. Uh, as a proposal to vote on, mm-hmm. then there's not enough votes to uh, prop them all up. And if there aren't enough votes to prop them all up, you actually end up losing right. resources, yeah. right? Yep. So 
a way, a strategy, if you want a resource to go down, is actually to play a proposal that requires a lot of votes in order to pass, expecting that someone else is going to play a proposal for that resource as well. Right. And then you purposely don't vote on the one that requires a lot of votes. Yeah. uh, Because your your voting tokens, um, so there's six voting tokens, you only use four in a game. Your voting tokens will always equal 12 points, correct? Or no, all of the voting tokens combined. The the sum of all voting tokens, Yeah. yeah. So the the options you have are zero zero one one two three, um, and in a four player game, I think you have zero one two three, or no, you have in you have zero zero, zero, zero one, two. one two. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. so when a proposal requires a lot of votes, throwing a zero on that thing can really um, mm-hmm. can really throw a, a kind of a wrench in the works for what people are trying to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I. Um, I really, really enjoy the game. And again, this is a game where I wouldn't normally enjoy a game that was so complex. Um, (laughs) But it all just kind of thematically works together. And yes, it's complex, but not complicated, right? Right, right. And even the idea that like, oh, if we play all play the same proposal to make to make more food because we don't have enough food resources, right? Uh, That somehow food goes down. And that thematically makes sense, right? If Mm -hmm. everyone's trying to fix the problem, you're probably going to not do a good job of fixing the problem. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has been, uh, that was, I, I love that everything is so tied back to the theme really well. Um, mm-hmm. We still have some more work we want to do with it. But um, as we mentioned at uh, Grand Con, we had a surprise publisher pitch and they liked it. So uh, I just sent that out to them this week. Uh, they've got it. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to hear back from them. I'm hopeful because they're a, they're a larger publisher who I think would do a good job with it. Uh, but I think you and I both have some ideas of some other publishers that we could easily show this yeah. to um, because it's, yeah, finding, I used to be terrified about trying to find a publisher for bigger games mm-hmm. like this. And now I actually feel like it's easier to, to find those publishers, mm-hmm. not necessarily that they will publish your game, but I think seeing more publishers that are open to bigger games. Um, and I think that that's partly because a lot of the publishers I've worked with in the past have been the smaller side, right? And they're into mm-hmm. like, games that aren't huge for the most part. I mean, that's not necessarily, there are some smaller publishers that make like enormous games, right? Um, But typically, you know, you're going to have publishers like Green Couch that are going to make not huge games. So um, yeah, so some of the larger scale publishers we've looked at would be a great fit for this. Um, So that's three coronations. Uh, And this is a, it's a larger game with fairly inexpensive components. So yes, Yeah, 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 it's a publisher's dream. It is, yeah, yeah. A lot of the components are not going to be pricey for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nothing weird in it. There could be, but there's not. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be. That's the expansion, the weird stuff that'll fix all the problems of the first game. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next one we have is our uh, is our, this is I classified this as ready to pitch, but I think we still sure. need to change the theme on it, and that is mm-hmm. our little goldfish pocket game. Um, which is an 18 card or less game. Actually, it's less than that. It's like 12 cards. Mm -hmm. Um, We are in some little score counters. So that one, we are going to retheme. It was done for a specific thing. It didn't didn't do what we wanted it to do for now. So we're going to do some tweaks to it and try and show it off to some smaller publishers. Um, The feedback feedback there was that they they have more work internally that they need to do before they're ready to add a game. Right, right. And adding a game right now 
would uh, be a game that would need a bunch of additions to it within the next year and a half, which uh, yeah. would be silly because, yeah. yeah, yeah, it just would. So um, so we will circle back with them at that point. Um, but until then, we want to take this game and we want to do something with it. So obviously, this is something we've talked about showing to like button shy. There's no reason to be secretive about that. When you have a card that's 18 yeah. cards or less, that's who you talk to. <laughs> um so we uh, have been talking about retheming it. One of the things we talked about retheming it with was uh, some sort of like antiquing thing um, mm-hmm. or something like that where you're like going out to like flea markets and looking for stuff. Um, yeah. 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 So that's one of the things yeah, we talked about. Yeah. It's neat because it kind of has like a, a an acquisition resource, right? And then like a... a desiring customer resource like i don't know yep. exactly what to say right but yeah, yeah. it we, we were talking about something where like you would have uh a resource that wants something and then a resource where you have to acquire that thing but because there's like stealing between uh players you know the the idea being that like someone else could have swooped in and and gotten the thing that that you needed for that customer before you got a chance to Right, right. And in the antique realm, it would be the idea that you're basically going around seeing stuff you want to buy and then deciding what to buy at the end of the day. Um, But somebody else could swoop in and buy it before you if they Mm -hmm. wanted it. And none of this is like actual specific items. It's all like hypothetical on a track. I need five items today and then I need to sell those five items and all the items sell for the same price. It's just kind of managing back and forth how many sales you can make. Um, it's about how many sales you make, not how much money you make off the sales. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And you're trying to make ten sales to end the game, and uh, yeah, and it plays real fast. It's it's pretty it's pretty easy, um, but it does need Very a little strategic. Yeah, yeah. It's for for as small as it is, it's surprisingly strategic. All right, so that's our last one that's ready to pitch. Then we've got a bunch of stuff down here that is um, that is uh, on the. Uh, development side and then we also have stuff in the idea mm-hmm. stage uh yep. so under development we still have our our enormous secret game um that we're <laughs> working on um and uh that is uh with john gilmore um and julio nasarios working on that as well on uh, the neil and i uh and this has talked about this before this was kind of like i had this idea for this really cool thing but understood that as a designer i did not have the capability to make it work um, mm-hmm. so I want to do that. Uh, and so I brought on, I started with Gilmore, uh, and then we brought on Julio and then recently we brought on Neil. And now we're actually seeing some good movement with it because Neil is good at helping us organize the stuff and move forward. And also Neil has kind of helped us. There's, there's a huge story to this game and Neil has helped mm-hmm. us figure out what that is, um, and kind of decide what it needs to do. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the neat things there is that we've kind of figured out the, uh, the conceit of the final game. Right. Like we the whole idea of the game is that there's a lot of smaller games that lead up to a big game. And we've kind of through the story said like, oh, well, the the final game needs to reveal this surprise. Right. Yes. And then what's fun about that is that like the way that we want to reveal the surprise is probably going to be through some sort of um, bizarre uh, component that uh, is on the board, which is exactly what Julio is good at. Yes. Yeah. 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 So and it's this... kind of fun because because like giving giving Julio that should 
uh, give him something big, like something to design that he's good at, and then kind of inform everything that that leads up to that that final game. Right. Yep. In in I so the the crew we've kind of put together for this um, is focused on. Um, what each of us can kind of bring to the table. And as Neil said, for Julio, a lot of this has some very interesting component pieces that we mm-hmm. have to design, um, a lot of interesting interactions between those. And that's something where um, where Julio obviously has good experience and really shines. Um, and then, you know, being that this game is so huge and interconnected in ways that I can't even explain right now, um, <laughs> Gilmore is obviously has a has a really good track record of making those larger scale games um, and figuring out how to make everything kind of work together. And that's um, that was one of the first reasons why I approached John when I first had this idea. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah. When I, when I met with him, like his, his kind of big piece of advice was just like, don't, don't design everything, right? Like really work on figuring out how you can flesh this out as much as possible to where it can be pitched to a publisher being a fairly incomplete game and the publisher will sign on for it. Right. Yes. Because yeah, it's, it's, we, yeah. c- we cannot, we cannot develop the whole game before sending it to a publisher. It's going it, to need, right. It would be absolutely pointless. To, so, um, because of the interconnectedness and the way the game works, it would, e- even if we did that, the chances that we were like, here's the full developed game. Um, we're ready to, sh- you know, we're, we're ready to pitch it. Even if they were like, yeah. yes, we want to buy your game. It would need so much development because some of the things that we want to do, we don't even know if they're possible. Right. And yeah. some of the things we want to do, we know are possible, but are going to cost money upfront to make them work. Um, yeah. and if we do all that and then a publisher says, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to do it that way. Well then guess what? Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're hosed. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so we're really figuring out, we're figuring out like the whole story. We're figuring out how uh, we're going to tell different parts of the story. We're going, you know, we're going to figure out what each of the games are in terms of um, their components and how it relates to the larger story. But we're not going to like literally design every game start to finish. Right, right. That's where, that's where, you know, a publisher having a say of being like, well, I actually want this this kind of dice is what we usually do when we're doing custom dice make sure it works with this or yep yep uh, or we have we have the ability to to use this technology that should really inform how you design that so we'll still have like a, a pretty a pretty well designed overall system without yep. having every single detail worked out right and that's another thing where john um knows so much about components and I mean, like I've talked to him like, oh, I wish I could do this. And he's like, oh, well, a publisher can do blah, 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 blah with like, like I was talking about custom dice and I was like, well, we want to keep the custom dice to a minimum. He's like, no, we don't. He's like, the new heat transfer process means that they can make completely yeah. different ones and it doesn't cost any more. Um, and it was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Like, so that's, you know, he's, he's been really good at explaining that kind of stuff to us as well. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So. Well, while we're on the subject of Gilmore, um, mm-hmm. so there's another game that I was working on, and actually when I was having my original talks with John about this bigger game, I was working on this other game about pancakes, um, and uh, while I was working on it, I kept asking him questions, and eventually he was like, I kind of feel like we're co-designing this game. Are we co-designing this game? And I said, I think we are. <laughs> so um, we worked on it a bunch. Uh, we're, we're fairly happy with it. Something was missing. And mm-hmm. neither one of us could figure what that was. We showed it to Peter Hayward, and he had some ideas that were really good of how to make the game smaller and more compact. 
and I, I took it back to work on those, and they just the I, those things just didn't click with me the way I had hoped they would. Um, so I kind of just left it, and then Neil had picked up several different projects I was working on, and that were stuck, and had turned out how to make them into something you know that mm. works. Compulse, three coronations, all that. Um, and so I said to John, hey, I want to just show this to Neil and see what Neil can do with it. And John said, yeah, do that. And uh, so, Neil, you've come up with a whole separate system uh, yeah. within this game of how it works. It's kind of like it was about just like putting out stacks of pancakes and flipping them and scoring and uh, mm-hmm. points. And now you've got this whole buffet system we're working with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's um, so there's now like a three step process to score points that was used to be a one-step process but the one-step process still exists and it sounds super complicated when i say it but it's not it's (laughs) it actually works really well we've been playtesting it on tabletop simulator just you and i for now and uh yep have been really happy with where it's going yeah this this game feels a lot like uh it did when we were working on compulsed yeah where it's just clicking real fast where it's clicking and like we're iterating on it and and uh, and, and it's kind of designing itself to some extent. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, so like the the thing that, so I looked at it and, you know, you ha- you went with the theme of, of you know, making pancakes, right? Right. Like, like it's flipping, you're flipping pancakes at least. In, so, right, and that's, that, that came from, you've got stacks of three tiles um, yep. and you're flipping those and we couldn't think of something you'd be flipping, right, consistently, um, mm-hmm. that made like, we were like, maybe it's a city builder. And they're like, why the hell are you flipping them? <laughs> like, that's not yep. safe. Um, <laughs> and so pancakes came up, uh, and that was kind of how we got on that theme. Yep. Uh, and so I was like, well, you had, you had order cards in the game and those were always kind of like, they didn't feel great in terms of the theme. Um, and so agreed. Kind of those, Very much agreed. those two things together, I, w- one of the things I was like, well, if you're flipping pancakes, like, aren't you going to serve them to anyone? And and that was the first uh, kind of thing that kicked off the idea cycle. Uh, and the next thing was, uh, so I was thinking like, okay, the order cards, we kind of need them. How can I trick people into uh, having orders that they need to fulfill without feeling like they need orders to fulfill? And that's that right. kind of led to everything else where, um, so I was like, okay, well, the orders are basically polyominoes, right? They're, they were, uh, originally at least, they were uh, different shapes of three and four squares and different patterns. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give every player uh, a restaurant that they're, um, you know, putting a buffet into. Yep. And yep. then I'm like, okay, well, uh, how do I, how do I dictate how those are laid out? And so I was like, okay, well, I'll create customers and they want um, three different uh, types of pancakes, right, in a specific order uh, on your board. Uh, and then, so that kind of led to just a system where you're drafting uh, polyominoes in different shapes um, onto a, uh, it's a six by six grid. Uh, and when you uh, match uh, a customer order uh, where each customer can span two rows, you're able to play that customer. Uh, and then uh, we actually have a, uh, you get a little bonus each time you score a customer. Yep. Um, yep. well, not actually not at this point, is it? It's, it's once you right. actually serve them. So, right. so we call that you're seating the customer, right? So you're saying like, oh, they're going to be able to get pancakes if they sit here, they're going to be able to just walk straight across and get pan- the pancakes that they want. Yep. And, they, uh, and it's then basically a customer and then what, you know, they're going to want to eat. Yep. So you're, you have to 
have it set up for like plates set up in order for what they could eat for them to sit down. Yeah. Uh, and so then as you um, match each polyomino on the uh, board where you're flipping the pancakes, you're able to uh, turn it over. And on the other side, it has exactly the same pattern, but with uh, pancakes on each plate. Uh, and once you flip over uh, enough of the polyominoes that that all of the customer's demands are met, then you score that customer. Uh, and we actually have a, a, a little track where you get a, a bonus each time you uh, score one of your customers. Yep, and so that was based around the idea of we were trying to figure out game end. That seems to be yep. something that Neil's real bad at. Um, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. I am. No, no. I said true. that you're going to pitch rum roll <laughs> later, and that was your biggest struggle with that was how the heck do I end the game yeah. in a way that's good? Um, well, at the same time, uh, I think Matt Riddle was also complaining about not being able to uh, have a good game end as well. So it's no, it's it, I mean, I'm it just is, as bad as Matt Riddle, right? Oh my gosh, we're gonna have to end this episode. No, it's really it's when you think about it, like some games, there's an obvious game end, right? Compulsed. There's an obvious game end. Three coronations we struggled with when to end the game. Yeah, that was really just based on how long everything took, and mm-hmm. you know, shaving off time in certain areas to make the game not be two hours long. Um, yeah. With this game, what we opted for was we we decided that no matter the player count, it would be number of customers served. So when the twentieth yeah. customer is served. The game ends. Um, but when you serve a customer, you get to take the action that correlates to that number of customer that's been served. So yep. uh, the first one would let you take a new polyamino and put it down. The second would let you get an extra customer card. Um, so basically, there's a lot of different options you get. And it's built for two, three, and four players. So those are different mm. for each one. Um, and that's um, pretty cool. And I was just looking here. Neil gave me a ton of notes. Don't worry. All of these can easily be fixed. You're absolutely correct. I'm going to fix those today, and it's going to be great. Nice. Um, so w- with this game, basically our next step is to um, finish this version of the design, do another play test. If we're happy with it, we'll get John on Tabletop Simulator. We'll play test it once again with him um, and uh, get his feedback on it, and then uh, let him take it and do some testing with it and go from there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's really fun. I really enjoy the the theme and the way that it all works together. Me too, me too. So and when you get the right theme for a game, so many times it just fixes the problems that you have with a yep. game. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right, next we have our legacy game. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how much... So this game, so I was talking about this on the last... I don't know if you listened to the last episode yet, but yep, I was talking I about this a little. And, you know, I... um, So I struggle, like... I normally am not the person that's like, I don't want to be, I'm precious about this idea and I don't want to share this idea, but I struggle with talking about this game because it's so simple. It's so clever. Um, and I've, we've not seen anything like it. And anyone that we've talked to personally about it is like, Oh my gosh, get this game out there. Um, and so, you know, I, so yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with that a little, like the, the big game we're working on with John and Julio and Neil, we're not talking about that for the exact same reason. This is, it's a game that hasn't been done before. It's very, very different. Um, and even to the point where John said, we should probably not talk about this with a bunch of people. And I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. gosh, if John thinks that then, you know, cause he's pretty open about talking about the stuff he's working on. So it's like, Oh man. Um, I think for the, for the, for this legacy game, I think we can talk about, the general theme and uh, what it's intended to do. Right. Because uh, one of the things about the game is that it's been incredibly difficult to create the um, the set of mechanics within this game that right. cause it to work. 
Um, so I, I mean, I don't really want to go into that because that if I if I do that, then it's really easy for anyone to do something similar. Um, but I I, I kind of do want to talk about the theme and and how it all is going to work. Sure, sure, sure. If that's yeah. cool. Hey, I, um, I uh, yeah, I trust your judgment. Cool. Yeah. So the idea of the game is that you are uh, basically running an art gallery. Uh, so you'd be an art curator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you are going to have a deck of cards with a number of uh, pieces of art. Uh, the game, when the game starts, you're going to end up with a couple pieces of pieces of art uh, through some sort of uh, drafting, uh, which we have we have a couple ideas about how that's going to work. Uh, and then it's going to be played. Uh, we're, we're kind of thinking that this would be a good um, if you have like a game night or even if you have like an office setting uh, where you want to play the game um, where you would play uh, a round of it uh, every week or every day. Right. Like if you're at an office or um, you could do it all at once if you wanted to. You could. Yeah. I mean, the the way what we're trying to do with the game really lends itself to having some downtime. I agree um, for your subconscious to sort some things out. Uh, at least that's like, that's kind of, uh, to bury the lead. Um, it, that's kind of what the game is about is, um, a subconscious, uh, affinity for art. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so from week to week, there's going to be, uh, a series of steps that involve, um, purchasing, uh, new pieces of art, uh, through cards, um, trading with other players, um, another another few bits of uh, of swapping cards and stuff like that. Um, but then there's also going to be, at the end of every single round, uh, an upkeep phase uh, where through changes in game state, you're going to uh, potentially be forced to tear up one or more of your pieces of art. Yep. And that's the, that's the real uh, part where the, the game shifts a lot. Uh, so I had a, I have an artist friend that I actually talked to this game, uh, about last night, uh, and she's on board for it. She actually thinks that she thinks that it's, uh, <laughs> that it's really interesting. Yeah, no, And I think that obviously, yeah, the, the timing lends itself to it, the taking gaps in time so that you can really think about like grow to like the art you have. We talked yep. about specifically doing sets of art, um, mm-hmm. for no reason other than to make people feel like, Oh, like for, for those people that feel drawn to the collection of certain art Mm -hmm. um you know that they will pull them in and then also really having a lot of different art styles so that there will be something that will speak to you in there right um that you're gonna say oh i want that um yeah but i'm excited this is one that we're hoping to get to test really soon here um because uh yeah just because i think that it's really gonna be a solid um I think it's going to be a solid, fun time. The mechanics are are really not complex. It just took a mm-hmm. long time to get to where that was to make it yeah. work. Um, because well, really, the it was hard yeah, to keep the, it simple, right? Yeah, the design of it is meant to say like, how how do we give as many opportunities as possible for a person to have to make have to make a decision about the cards that are on the table, right? Like right. the cards that they have, do they want to keep? A particular card or do they love how certain cards look together is there a card that another player has that they've been longing after for one or more weeks right because the way the game mm-hmm. works it, it actually uh is going to make it more possible uh as time goes on to potentially get that card from another player yep um but but really like the game 
the mechanics that we really had to design around uh, are saying, how, how does a player keep a card around uh, or protect a card, uh, even if they're not aware that they love it? <laughs> right, right. You know, and, the and that's other, been difficult. Yeah, it is. And one of the other things is like, you know, the question of do you use your limited resources to save a card that mm-hmm. somebody else owns? either yep. because you like it or because you can tell how much they like it and you're trying yep. to be a nice person. Um, you know, at the end, you can win the game, but that's not what it's about, right? It's about yep. the experience you're going to go through. And um, what's great about this is so many legacy games are, are big and expensive, right? Um, and, and even though they're completely worth it, you know, if you buy Risk Legacy, you play all of it, or Pandemic Legacy, you play all of it, it's completely worth the money. But it's still a lot of money. This is a game that could easily retail for 19 bucks, 20 yep. bucks, you know, maybe even less. Maybe um, less, yeah. It allows you to have that experience um, in, in a very different way. And so I'm I'm super excited about it. It was one of those things when you, it came up at Grand Con and you thought of it and like immediately we were like, this is, this is magic. <laughs> this is, there's yep. something huge here. We need to make this happen. So yeah. All right, we should move on because we're running short on time here. Um, so, we have so many good games. We do. We have so many things we're working on. Um, some of the stuff I think in our idea stage we can uh, skip out for now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you want to uh, talk about Plust? Yeah, oh, Plust. I skipped over that one. Yes. Yeah. Sure. I, I don't even know how I did that. Uh, oh, because I saw Legacy Art Game at the bottom and I wanted to see it. So, mm. yeah. Okay. Plus. <laughs> Let's talk about Plus and then we'll skip our idea stuff for now. Um, yeah. because none of it's firm enough to explain beyond uh, what Neil and I understand. So let's talk yeah. about Plust. Yeah, so this one, I, I designed a, a trading game um, based on a mechanic that, uh, a trading mechanic that Matt Warden uh, designed uh, that I really liked. Um, and, and actually, like, uh, me, and, uh, me and Matt Loomis uh, kind of, uh, refined the mechanic into where it is now. So I'll have to give him a credit in the book if it gets published. Um, but it, it, at its heart, it's, it's got this trading mechanic. Uh, and I kind of designed a theme park related game around that uh, that I really liked. Uh, and the trading is really fun, but it's it's sort of, uh, you know, it's an it was an activity when I, when I play tested it. There wasn't really any uh, meat to it. Uh, and what I built on from there uh, was uh, the idea of a second phase every round. Uh, I think there's gonna, uh, there's going to always be six phases the way that it there's six rounds the way that it's currently uh, mm-hmm. designed, uh, which I think is really uh, a good approach the way that it works. Um, but what I did is I added a phase where um, in the game there is uh, it's kind of a classic theme park hub and spoke model. Uh, where there is a hub with three exits uh, and you put six different buildings around it uh, where there are um, three different types of buildings uh, and the uh, subtypes have to be directly across from each other. So you end up with with kind mm-hmm. of a, a clear pattern in every single hub. Uh, but uh, And then you can add more hubs that are connected by their exits. Uh, so what, what I added on top of this, um, Peter Yang uh, at uh, Protospiel... Minnesota, uh, I was describing the game to him and, and telling him why, why, how I was stuck. And he was like, well, you should have like a, a kind of a tech tree like they do in Kingsburg. Uh, and then that really spurred on the second part of the game, uh, which is where we uh, you do have a tech track 
Uh, and that's where you score points. And uh, the second phase of each round is visitor pawn, a visitor pawn or more than one pawn that is uh, walking around your theme park. Uh, and because I'm using hexes for all of the uh, hubs, mm -hmm. uh, we can roll a die. Uh, and then that can dictate where the uh, customer is going uh, each time it's rolled. And then uh, I basically recruited you because you're of your variable player power expertise <laughs> uh, to say like, well, how do we make how do we make it so that the way that the visitor moves around is is fun and interesting? Uh, and we had a lot of uh, we've had a lot of back and forth over the past couple of weeks trying to nail that down. Right. And it's been <clears throat> yeah, it's been tough because um, I've never actually got to play the game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's been a lot of like hypothetical us talking, you explaining the game to me. Yeah. Um, and so we are, yeah, we're working on that, um, working on that now, trying to figure all that out and hopefully get to a point where we can actually play test it. The other catch is it's three plus for players. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, hard for, uh, we can't just play it on our own. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, my favorite interaction from us going back and forth was, uh, we were talking about basically if you have if you have player abilities, right? Um, what, uh, how do you make it so that you, um, push a, uh, a pawn to a specific direction? And, and we talked about like raising right. or lowering the value of the die plus one. And I'm like, no, like we can, uh, I mean, you were, you were talking it through and I was like, Oh, what we can do is we can actually say like, well, this, this customer is probably going to go towards one or two or three. Right. And then based on the board state, if they're more like, if you make that pawn likely to go to a certain number, you can look at the board and you can say like, well, what's the most common building type at that number? Or what's the most common building type at, at odd numbers or even numbers? And then you can build that tech tree to score points for those. Mm -hmm. So like that, that's really where you help me build that synergy to, to the idea of how the pawn is going to move around the board. Right, right. All right. Well, Wait, hey. I'm, I'm pumped about that game. I, no, I'm I'm very excited. Really uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun once we get it up and running. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, need you to pitch Rum Row now because we are running short sure. on time here. So yeah, people, pitch people, Rum Row. People will be excited for all this talking. No, I just meant we're running out of time, like physically. Like I, we have to finish this. Yeah, soon, you do so have yeah. to go in ten minutes. <laughs> I right? have to go soon. So yeah. Okay, so um, I think that I've talked about this a little bit before uh, when I came to visit on the way to Grand Con a couple years ago. Um, but uh, I've been working on this game. This is the first game design I ever did. Um, Jeff Large at, uh, when I went to Gen Con, the only time I went to Gen Con, which was like seven years ago, uh, basically encouraged me to des design my own game. Um, and so I was like, well, what's, what's unique about me and my experience? And I was like, well, I'm from the Bahamas. Like I grew up in the Bahamas. I'm going to make a game about rum running, uh, which was, uh, not even, you know, that long ago. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of, uh, bootlegging went through the Bahamas, uh, just cause of its, right. uh, it's easy access in relation to Florida. Uh, so I ended up designing this game, uh, and you play, uh, what I call entrepreneurs, uh, during prohibition <laughs> right. that are, um, trying to bring joy back to a, uh, a nation under under uh, distress, um, and the uh, the game is uh, at its core 
kind of this uh, fairly simple pickup and deliver game where you uh, you have all these different islands and there's a lot of um, branching choices to where uh, you, mm-hmm. you're you only allowed to move your boat forward. And there are a lot of, um, after you make like one or two moves, there's almost always a, a branch that either goes in two or three different directions. So you end up with kind of this um, fairly big decision space um, that you play with each round. Uh, so that's, it's interesting in terms of that, um, but you, you're able to move your boat three spaces each round. Uh, and there are, um, basically for the pickup and deliver part of the game, there is a space that generates cubes. There's a space that lets you trade cubes and there's a space that lets you deliver cubes, right? So that's just like the game is that, uh, and as at a, its core. As someone who's played it a lot, I'll say that the path you choose can yep greatly change what yeah. that turn looks like like impossibly so greatly change what you, you i mean it's amazing how one different turn can completely change where you end up so yeah and what you get yeah, you might do. you might not have enough of the resource that you need in order to do a trade and then you know if you don't do that then you're wasting a turn uh so and, that, and that's really what the game's about is is having that like optimal uh path where you're not you're not moving your boat in a way that doesn't get you something uh, and that's a lot of, of the decision space that you're doing. Um, right. The way the, the way the deliveries work in the game is that you end up with three cards, uh, and you haven't played this version, um, but you you have three cards. Uh, each have a small part of a delivery, uh, where it's like, uh, you know, some rum uh, is on one cube, some whiskey is on one cube, and then like a single of the what I call them cocktail spirits, like the the ones you can only trade for, yep. um, and they synergize with each other. So. Um, each order will say, I want to be delivered with another order. And it'll also say, I want to be delivered to a certain city. Uh, and so you can combo that to where you end up with three orders that all work together that all need to go to the same city. And you get a lot of extra points for doing that. So that's a fun part of the game is that sort of um, that sort of hand management. Uh, you can actually curate the orders uh, with different uh, things in the game. Um, so the there is a another type of, um, I call them outposts. Uh, basically the, the spaces that you can move to that I haven't gone over. Uh, and that's the tavern I have in the game. And that, that really gives you special actions that, uh, let you do things like, um, move immediately to a city, move immediately to a, uh, another trading post, move immediately to, uh, a distillery where you can pick up cubes. Um, mm-hmm. so those are the big ones, but those also let you do things like curate your orders, um, it, it lets you trade for free. It lets you uh, do do a lot of uh, of of things that that are related to the the game board, right? That that are related to the game state, right? Uh, and and then that system, the way that I have it now, is that um, you have a hand of eight contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, you play the contact that you want to use for its ability, and all of the contacts require they have a discard cost of other contacts. So you have to discard that. And let's say you want to move to a city. You have to discard a contact for each free move that you make. So that might cost you five contacts total out of your eight cards if you want to go to a city. Right. But that's a, that's a, it's an interesting choice you get to make, like how, how much you want to sacrifice uh, for this. Uh, and then once you uh, play those contacts, you don't, you don't get to use those again with the basic board actions. Like, so that's, that's like... That's all of the things that are on the game board that are triggered by you moving around. Uh, so those would be like, oh, these, these would be like the island, uh, the island experiences that you have. 
on top of this uh, whole system sits um, a, you have a crew that works on your boat, uh, and the and the crew have uh, five different special actions. Um, on your turn, you get one uh, crew token to spend, uh, and there are other ways to earn them as the game goes on. Um, but in general, you only have one crew action to spend every turn. So you're basically right. saying like, you're basically saying like, um, I'm going to ask my crew to like really focus on something this turn. Uh, and then uh, this, these things can all be triggered um, at any time uh, in between your navigation actions, uh, either before, mm -hmm. in between, or after them. Um, the the first one, which is kind of a, a really important part of the game, is is the distill action, which lets you add more cubes to the board. Uh, and the way that that happens uh, is really interesting uh, because you can add as many cubes as you want to the board. There's a deck that, that dictates what you're adding to the board. Uh, and you can either choose to um, put them all in front of you or when you draw like a, a one of the less good set of cubes, you can like put those in front of another player. So you can put the bad ones in front of another player. You can put the good ones in front of you, uh, which is a, a fun, like indirect conflict part of the game. Um, I have another action which lets you draw back some of those discarded contacts that you uh, played on the taverns. Uh, I have another one that gives you like uh, additional move, move in, uh, movement and uh, actions to be able to use. Uh, at the end of every turn, normally you have to throw out um, more cubes you can carry. Uh, I have an action that lets you keep those instead of throwing it out. Uh, right. And then I have another one that lets you add, uh, it lets you basically occupy islands, where if someone uh, moves to that island, you get another crew token. So you really can mm -hmm. get a lot of extra crew tokens, which really give you free moves and, and free actions. Uh, and then all of, those, um, all of those crew actions, each time you use them, they gain additional uh, passive effects. So they become more powerful the more that you use them, uh, which can be really interesting as well. So it's kind of these these different systems that sit on top of each other, right. um, and it's like, I mean, like you know, what I try to do is make complex but not complicated, uh, and, and I I'm really happy with kind of the way that it's turned out. And then to get to the end game stuff, um, which I've trying to been figuring trying to figure out, uh, I've basically settled on a fixed number of rounds, uh, and the way that I kind of force players to track that is that I have a deck of uh, bonuses that the starting player draws at the end of every round until they reach the last one. Uh, and that's been interesting because I've been able to um, craft that so that um, based on player count, so the two player games uh, get bonuses that are going to be applicable to a two player game mm -hmm. and five player games get bonuses that are applicable to a five player game. Which is fantastic. So that yeah. you're not, you know, yeah, that's fantastic. So really, yeah, it's a big, it's a big game, um, but, I, but it doesn't, I, I love playing it. The, you know, so I'm not a big fan of big games, right? And yeah. this game does not feel like a big game. This game is mm. intuitive. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, this, I've played this game probably three or four times now, maybe more. Sure. It, mm -hmm. I love it. I so hope someone publishes it. Uh, you do have a line on a publisher you're going to pitch to. Yep. Uh, I'm sure I can say that. So yeah. Yep. Uh, so fingers crossed on that because that would be really awesome. Uh, yeah, I sent him an email yesterday saying that I'm kind of happy with development at this point. So that's kind of fun. Excellent. Yeah. 
Hmm. And it's a publisher that, that we know, you know, we, we've talked to before and uh, I think they're a great. And fit, they would do a so. good, they would do a really good job with this game. Really good job. They would job, make it yeah. look beautiful. Yeah. They, they are the ideal candidate for you if you could get them to for do For sure. It. So, yeah. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, we should probably wrap it up now here. Um, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah. It was Always fun to fun. get all those updates out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll try and do this every few months whenever we can. Um, you know, because, uh, yeah, we can't do it every month. And even if we could, it wouldn't matter because we don't have enough updates. But a uh, few months, we'll do another one with some more updates. It'll be great. Sounds good. Uh, all right. Well, um, Okay, well, I'll do the end spiel now. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. You can reach out uh, to us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can uh, find us on Twitter at at podcastptg. I am at J.A. Slingerland, and Neil is at Potted Meat. You can also find us on Facebook. Like our page on Facebook. We're doing more with that. Also, um, give uh, give us some messages on Facebook. Tell us more things you'd like to see on Facebook. Um, in regards to all that. So, yeah, I think that's all we have. So, uh, good night. Bye. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BGG. Please don't use the email.